Back to the Beat. Bulls Beat continues with Derek Sharp. Great to have Bridget Miranda back with me. This is my seventh year, not just on Bulls Unlimited, but as play-by-play person for women's basketball, and we love bringing it to you. We'll tell you a little bit about tonight's opponent, a lot on tonight's opponent when we hit the air at 645, but get ready to hear a little bit from both of the point guards and Emma Johansson here shortly. Oh, man, men's soccer thought they had it against an extremely good Memphis Tigers team. Last night, things were starting to happen for the Bulls that made you think, okay, here we go. It was a season worth of frustration, and now it's going to turn around in the conference tournament. Of course, the Bulls didn't have anything frustrating in their regular season finale, beating Florida Atlantic, gave them the fifth seed, and a rematch with Memphis, a team that last Friday they were right there with, gave up a late goal and lost 2-1. to one. Well, that was nothing compared to what happened on Sunday night as the Bulls were up 2-1 to one late in the first half, took that until about four minutes to go, before Memphis struck twice. The go-ahead goal for the Bulls, the second go-ahead goal, they took the lead on a fantastic long-range shot by Pedro Fife, 13 minutes in, and it was one nothing, only to have the Tigers strike back just a few minutes later. And this is one of the few goals that Alan Horrocks of the Bulls has given up this year where you can really put it on him. It was a free kick that was handleable, and he coughed it away, and the Memphis player was right there to head it in. And even... With that soft goal, you have to say the Bulls still managed to lead at the break, 2-1. to one. Max Wilkins, he's the man that transferred from Georgia State, scored seven goals for that team last year, scored four goals on four shots in two preseason games. You thought, this guy is going to have you know 20 goals this season. Last night was his first, but again, when he headed in the goal on a fantastic Richard Thompson long-range free kick pass, you thought, okay, now things are happening. And the Bulls were doing what they have done so well in the games where they've been ahead late, seeing out the game, not giving Memphis many chances. Unfortunately, the Tigers, well, they caught a break. Now, they created the break, and it was all created a long pass by Lineker Rodriguez de Santos. He's the guy who has 12 goals and 5 assists, and the Bulls were so concerned with him, he shot in up the left wing, sent in a ball across, and unfortunately... The Bulls scored into their own net, and it was Luca Holenstein who has been tremendous. Even if you watch back the ESPN Plus replay, the analyst says Holenstein has rarely had a misstep all night. He was trying to clear a ball that looked like it was bearing in on goal, and he knocked it into his own goal. But with four minutes to go, you can still get it to overtime. And in the NCAA this year, there's no sudden death overtime. You get the full 20 minutes, and whatever the score is, it is. If it's tied, you go to penalty kick. So you would have preferred to win 2-1, to one, but at least just get those last few minutes taken care of, and the Bulls could not. Memphis wound up for a free kick with a little bit more than a minute to go, and really a pretty straight-on header, and the Tigers get the stunning victory in the Bulls' season. Ends with a 6 Nine and one record. Believe it or not, it was not the most heartbreaking loss, although the difference was FIU's season will not end. But remember, FIU was thinking it was going to get a first round bye in the conference tournament, and now their first round bye in the NCAA tournament is probably done. That FAU team that lost to the Bulls last Wednesday needed help to get in and really didn't have any chances to score last night until four seconds left. It was 0-0. Actually, FAU was kicking the ball back towards midfield with 10 seconds left and sending a long ball. They got a tremendous cross. And on their first shot on goal, Arthur VJ sent it over to Noah Clife, who flying through the air volleyed it in with about four seconds to go. And FAU, 
which is six, seven, and three, wins on its rival FIU's home pitch one to nothing. FAU, the sixth seed, advances to play two seed Charlotte in one semifinal. And by the way, Charlotte got to be living right somehow because they needed FIU not to win on the last night. That gave Charlotte a bye, along with beating Memphis. Should throw that in there. Now they get FAU instead of FIU in the semifinals. That's Thursday at 430, followed by SMU and Memphis. All four of the top four seeds are going to the NCAA tournament. But then you look elsewhere, like the Sun Belt Conference, where going into the last game of the regular season, UCF was the number one ranked team in the country and got beat by James Madison, but they still got to be at home because there's eight teams that make the Sun Belt Tournament. The one and the two seeds basically host a group of four, and the team that UCF was playing last night wasn't ranked in the top 100, and still isn't. But South Carolina beat the Knights, so they probably lost a chance at a top eight national seed. Trying to make sure you know the heartbreak was spread around. It wasn't just the Bulls. Oh, also in that tournament, Kentucky, which is the defending number one seed I'm talking about in the country, had to win last night in the four versus five game against the James Madison team that just beat UCF. And now those two teams are right on the right side of the bubble, but Kentucky might drop or might not because they play the number one overall seed Marshall in their next game. Meanwhile, UCF, as I mentioned, got to host one half of the bracket and they have to sit back and watch two other teams play in the semifinals on Wednesday night. That'd be West Virginia and that South Carolina team. Let's see what else is going on. Oh yeah, Washington, which won a title a couple years ago and was number one in the country for much of last year. Lost a lot of close games this year, tied a lot of close games, but if you didn't know, you have to be at least 500 to get in that large and they are a game below 500, but their computer ranking has them in. So guess what? They have to win their regular season finale against Oregon State to probably get into the tournament at 6-6-6. Six, six, and six. There is no conference tournament in the Pac-12. There is a lot of crazy stuff going on. While I'm thinking of it, the ACC. Clemson, the only other team all year long to score more than two goals against the Bulls in a 3-2 thriller in Tampa. Won a penalty kick thriller in the ACC quarterfinals. That game was 2-2 at the end of regulation. Both teams scored in overtime, so they beat Duke. And they get to host a semifinal because top-seeded Notre Dame got beat by Louisville, which once was on the bubble but now might be a first-round host. Sounds like the Bulls from last year. And, oh, yeah, what else happened in that tournament? The number two seed, Wake Forest, also lost in the quarterfinals to North Carolina. So I think I made my point. A lot of thrillers, a lot of heartbreak for the teams that don't win. And for that matter, let me throw in one women's championship game yesterday that also has a tie to the Bulls. That would be FGCU, a team that upset the Bulls early this season. They were going to lose. They were playing in Nashville in the finals of the A-Sun. They were losing three to nothing to North Alabama, which only went Division One in soccer in 2018. Actually, that first year made the A-Sun finals, but they were right there for their first ever NCAA tournament bid. Ahead three to nothing with less than 30 minutes to go. But then the FGCU Eagles got a hat trick from one player in about 15 minutes time and one in penalty kicks. Yes, the women's conference tournaments wrapped up yesterday. The field gets announced today. And there's definitely some ties to the Bulls on the bubble. First of all, in Bradenton, where the Bulls fell out last Tuesday night, it was the top two teams in the final. And Memphis scored the first two goals, ended up winning against SMU 2-1. to one. one of the best projectionists out there, his name is Chris Henderson, has SMU sliding in as the next to last at large. And the last at large being LSU, the team that the Bulls beat at the beginning of the season and finished 10th in the SEC. But 10th in the SEC still 
get you possibly in. And he projects just on the wrong side of the bubble, UCF. A lot of drama when it comes to soccer. But unfortunately, the seasons are over for the women and now Bob Butehorn's men's team. Oh, speaking of NCAA tournament projections, volleyball. We knew they played a tough schedule with their first two matches against Florida and Georgia Tech. But how about one of the latest projections having five of their 11 non-conference opponents in the NCAA tournament, including two they played in South Dakota, the South Dakota Coyotes and Drake. Oh, as far as the conference goes, of course, the Bulls are not going to win the league anymore, but they can win their division. Yeah, division championship is theirs for the taking because they are tied now for the lead after finishing off Temple this weekend while East Carolina was losing as predicted its lone match to SMU. 9-5 and five in the conference, 15-10 and 10 overall, so basically one win in their last five matches will guarantee a winning season for the Bulls starting there, but of course they want to do more than that. It's not going to be easy. There are two matches against East Carolina, which looks very difficult, so we'll be there at the match probably calling it on tape delay because men's basketball will be playing at the same time. Honestly, it would be better if the Volleyball and basketball action were spread out a little bit more so we can bring you the broadcast. We're not going to be able to do the Friday match because it's at 2 o'clock. And, well, there's a women's basketball game at 4 o'clock. But either way, it's going to be some great activity at the Corral. And on Friday in Temple at McGonagall Hall, the Bulls won a tight one, 25-21, 25-22, and 26-24. Every time it looked like the Bulls had an easy end to a set, Temple would come back and make it very difficult, especially in that third set where it was 24-19 and Temple fought off five match points. But Tizzy Pulleys, who hadn't had many balls sent her way, it was a nice little change up by setter Caroline Dyke. She got the job done. And then Maria Andraj finished off the deal. In the match, Buse Hazan bounced back from an uneven performance Thursday to lead the way. 17 kills on 31 attempts. That's a 323. Hitting percentage, 303 for Andraj with 16 kills. Puyiz added six, and Martis Fitkovic with eight more for the Bulls, who again, well out in front in the dramatic five-set win last Thursday. They had 27 more kills than Temple in this match. 23 more kills, which is hard to do in a three-set victory. They had 51 of them. And on the defensive side, Maya Thomas with 14, and Caroline Dykes, the setter, with 11 digs. Again, Thursday and Friday, the battle for first place in the East with East Carolina, which did get swept at home by SMU. Now the Bulls probably, we're just being honest here, need to take both to feel pretty good about the division title because East Carolina still has not played 4-23 and Charlotte. They'll get two matches against Charlotte, which this week is hosting FAU. Oh, don't look now, but the Owls are only a game behind both East Carolina and the Bulls. And again, play last place Charlotte this week. And then guess where the Bulls go next week? That's right, Boca Raton for two. So the Bulls are playing for first place, and they might be doing it again next week. These last handful of matches are going to be pretty fun, and it's great that they are meaningful, that's for sure. I'll try and get a chat with at least one of the seniors that'll be honored this week for the Bulls. They do still have one more home match against, which we hope is for the title, even though it'll be against a very difficult opponent in Rice. Right now, the Owls are projected as an NCAA at-large behind projected and likely conference champion SMU. Mustangs now have a two-game lead on both Rice and Wichita after the Shockers were shocked at home, winning the first two sets Sunday, but losing to North Texas. I told you that North Texas team, they entered the Yingling Center a couple weeks back at 500, but they were better than that. Yeah, they're all of a sudden 15 and 12 
after handing Wichita State just its third conference defeat. More drama from that sport. Different kind of drama. It's the fall championships for tennis, and our own Alvin Tadorica did extremely well. Although picking up where we left off on Friday's show, he did not win again. It was another close one. This was against Jack Anthrop from Ohio State. And once again, after losing the first set, looked like Alvin was headed to a third set but lost in a tiebreaker 10-8, to still making the basically the national quarterfinals, all the best players in the country in the fall. Tremendous. And on the double side, we told you how he and Eric Avelius got into the field of 32. Well, they lost their first match, and they themselves to a duo from Michigan State, Max Sheldon and Ozan Barris, 6-1, 2-6, and then rather than play out a third set, they would go to a 10-point tiebreaker. Well, Michigan State won at 10-5. By the way, that Michigan State duo would go on and win its next match after dropping a second set tiebreaker 9-7, which is like overtime in the tiebreaker. Then again, a tiebreaker to 10 win by two. They won 16-14, to and they kept on winning. The team that the Bulls duo of Alvin Tadorica and Eric Avelius started off against won the whole thing. They were the best doubles team in the NCAA in the fall, and each of their matches featured them winning a tiebreaker. But with that, the Bulls actually got but Alvin and Eric still managed in the consolation bracket on Friday to get a win. It went into a third set 10-point tiebreaker and passed the 10 points, 13-11, to 11, before they finally lost to a duo from Illinois, you guessed it, in a third set super tiebreaker. So quite the experience there. We've got women's basketball for you tonight. Check out elsewhere here on our podcast page my full interviews with both point guards, Ariel Wilson, Marina Asensio, and center Emma Johansson as we set up tonight's broadcast for you. That'll wrap up this portion of Bulls Beat on our podcast page. Thanks for dropping by.